Hey there, it's Mitch. Welcome back to The Sandwich Generation. Today in our first segment, we're going to be talking about teenagers. Who the fuck understands what's going through their minds? Lord, why? They say children, they say babies should come with a manual. Well, if we're dealing with teenagers, it needs to be a whole fucking compendium because it is too much shit to expect me to understand how to hopscotch and double dutch into all of that interestingness. But you know what? It's teaching me how to love myself as well. Because as moms, we can have so much mother guilt. As black moms, we can feel like we're supposed to do it a certain way. And that's not happening. We're not going to be accepted. But you know, the only voice that we need to deal with is that which is in our own heads. So I'm going to be talking about my youngest today. (laughs) A mother-son relationship is extremely interesting. Because of all my children, he was the most affectionate up until he was about 12. (laughs) Which actually is a long time. I should be glad. Because for a lot of moms of boys, it ends at around 7 or 8, sometimes 10. So my relationship with him is so interesting I always think that it would be so nice if he would share things with me because I couldn't share things with my own mother. And I always wanted to be that mom that my kids could come to and talk to and just really sort of figuratively let their hair down. Now, with my oldest, we have gone through some real peaks and valleys with this thing. And I feel like I've graduated as a mom. You know, it's kind of like I accept him for how he is and who he is, whatever he brings to the table, because I learned that I would much rather know my children for who they are and what they represent rather than who I want them to be and which box I'm trying to stuff them into. That's not a good thing. So I've learned a lot dealing with my my oldest son. I also have two stepchildren and dealing with my youngest son. One of the things that makes it kind of easier for me <laughs> is that the oldest boy, my stepson, is kind of like a prototype for my younger one. You know, you really have to get them to communicate and to talk and to engage And you have to do it kind of underhandedly. So let's see, when he was maybe about eight or nine, my youngest was diagnosed with ADHD, oppositional defiance disorder, and major depressive disorder. And it seems like it was a few other ones in there as well that I can't quite, quite remember right now. But one of the things I had to come to terms with, with oppositional defiance disorder, is they are first in defiance to themselves. They defy their own selves, okay? You know how, as a mother, you're supposed to say, oh, good job. That was amazing. Wow, how did you pull that off? And even there was a, 
a parenting uh, workshop that I was taking, and there was a list of 100 ways to affirm your child. And I want to tell you, he kicked down the door on every fucking single one of them. I would say, good job. And he'd say, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, this is like fucking reactions. You don't even know what to say. What the fuck are, what the fuck are you supposed to say to that? What the hell do you say? <laughs> That's not in the parenting guide, okay? That's not. That's not what they put in there. They said, they said, always praise your child. And this last one, he kicked that in the nuts, okay? He was like, I wish you would. I wish you would say something nice to me. I wish you would try to affirm me and make me feel good. I would say things like, oh, my goodness, you are a genius. How did you do that? Oh, it's horrible. (laughs) And always a flat tone. But you know what? I had to I had to learn to accept him within who he is, what he is and what he represents to himself. So I've learned that he's very sarcastic and very witty. And we have to understand that with wit, that involves humor and a very high level of intelligence. So I had to start accepting him for who he is. And I'm not going to lie, it's still hard. I still would like a hug from him sometimes. I would still like, you know, that, that sort of, you know, that physical interaction, you know, where I can give him a hug or give him a kiss on his cheek. He is defiant to all of that. He doesn't want to that any of that in his life. And the last time he called me a weirdo. <laughs> so you got to deal with stuff like that with a child like this. That is, I believe the term is neurodivergent is what some people say. Um, he thinks differently, but he has taught me so much about myself, but I'm going to tell you another thing. I really feel like what broke him was the school system. And it's just simply so sad. It's so sad what our school system does to children of color. But I will take a, a stretch and say to black boys, I mean, you know, I know of instances where, you know, there are black boys sitting in the corner of a certain percentage of classrooms, you know, at a school. Um, the way that they there is so little patience for them, the way that there is so little understanding and there is so little time taken to move to understand what they are, like I said, and what they represent. Who are you? When is the last time we asked a child? We asked them, what are you gonna what are you gonna do when you grow up? Or who are you gonna be? When does anybody ask, who are you? What golden gift have you come bearing to this world? Not who I want you to be, but who are you? And so I remember the first day of kindergarten. I remember it. I remember it so vividly. There was a group of kids and, you know, if you got the colorful mats, the colorful rug and the students are sitting on the rug and the teacher is asking questions and 
everybody's raising their hand and it's this cacophony of, ooh, ooh, me, pick me. Ah, my turn, my turn. And I'll never forget, he sat so silently, sat on his feet, sat the way he was supposed to sit, and he raised his hand. And I literally saw her pick around six, seven, eight kids, chose everyone but him. And he was the only little beautiful brown baby there. And to be honest with you, obviously it broke my heart. There's still a trauma there. And I have to wonder how often through the school day and the school setting does he get that? And in how many different ways does he have to navigate that to try to get to his education? The goal is education. We're trying to get these students educated but we're putting them in a situation to where they're not even comfortable in their own skin. So I saw a video online recently of a teacher that was hugging all of her different students, most of whom happened to be white, if I remember correctly. And a very similar thing happened. And when I saw it, I could feel it. She hugged around all of her other students And when it came to a beautiful black girl, even the countenance, her countenance changed. The look upon her face changed. She turned into a scowl and she deliberately maneuvered her way over and around this child. So to think that these things are not happening is a form of gaslighting in and of itself. It happens. But the thing is, okay, so it happens. Can we admit that it happens and then move to change it? Can we, as Americans, we want to say America is the greatest country on earth. Well, just like all of us that ascend and become better people, we first have to come into contact with the fact that we, where is the brokenness? What is the trauma That needs to be healed until we can come to terms with that. I don't think our school systems are going to do much better. So these are the things that I have to navigate with the mom side of the sandwich generation. You know, wanting to connect. Literally sandwiched in between two generations Because I wanted to connect with my mother, but she was not emotionally available for me. And I want my son to connect with me. And it almost seems like history repeating itself. He's not emotionally available. So the trick is, how can we be okay with that? You know, I've been learning about radical acceptance, which I'll probably be talking about in the next segment. Uh, Sometimes you just have to accept things for how they are, but nobody really tells you how to do that. How do you manage that? How do you do that? So these are the things that we're trying to figure out as we go along. So on our next segment that's coming up, we will be delving a little bit into radical acceptance, 
remember that this next segment is about how to balance yourself. It's about self-care, taking care of you, managing your businesses, your job, your career. And then you've got a child on one hand and an elder on the other. So let's get into it when we come back. Let's think about how can we become more whole? How can we make sure that we ground ourselves and root ourselves in love and compassion first? And then we can move towards what needs to be done for others in our lives. Because I honestly, I'm just a a firm believer that you can't even receive the love of God if you don't receive, if you don't love yourself first. You have to love yourself first in order to allow love to flow freely from you. So I'm excited about it. And I just want to remind you, if there's something that you would love to be talked about or mentioned here on The Sandwich Generation, just contact us and let us know. We really want this to be a safe space for all. And if you'd like to be a guest here, let us know as well. Really looking forward to what's coming up. Welcome back to I need a change in my life Cause I don't feel alive And there's nothing that makes me happy oh. And we all got dreams We all want things But what you gonna do for it? How you gonna move for it? What you gonna be? Thank you for joining me on The Sandwich Generation I am here with Brittany An amazing, vibrant, fierce woman Who's gonna talk about managing a business Remember, this is our segment for self-care We got goals and dreams inside of us and we're trying to build and do things. And there's so many different elements to juggle. So, Brittany, tell us about yourself and your business. Well, first of all, thanks, bitch, for having me on. Um, So just a little background. Um, My mom comes from a very educated background and um, this kind of folds into the anxiety and things like that, Um, you know, at a. At 12 years old, 10 years old, you're not going to know, you know, that your mom is going through what she's going through. And her outlet um, was schooling. So I really never saw her. I, um, you know, she would come home at night. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Um, but other than that, I never saw her. And I never, like, put the pieces together that that was her escape. That was her escaping, you know, um, my dad doing crazy things that he was doing. It was her anxiety. It was her depression rising up. And the only way she knew how to manifest that in such a positive way was going to school. So needless to say, um, we were dang near raised on um, on TV dinners. Okay. Yes, like we used to have Probably. TV dinners all the time. Um, and, and eventually I said, you know what? I am so tired of having team dinners. I said, mom, I remember calling her from work one day. I said, hey, could you please tell me how to make some tacos or something so I can have some homemade food? Right. And she was like, yeah, yeah. So that was the Aww. first time I actually indulged in cooking. I was like, oh, my God, I actually like this. And so um, that kind of developed in more so baking. Um, nice. And so one of the businesses that I did started as a catering business. Um, I do these things called Soul Food Sundays uh, where Ooh. you can pre-order, you know, food. That's Good. Yes, you, you can pre-order mm. food, and I promise you, it's, it's good. Mm. Um, you know, and so we'll do like oxtails, um, you know, catfish, chicken wings, things like that, and you know, have sides. And I'll do it on Sundays. I'm just as an extra string of income because I'm pretty sure everybody these days know that having one string of income is like not 
happening. It's mm-hmm. not doing what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's one thing that I like to do, um, as crazy as it sounds, uh, but it does help me relieve a little bit of anxiety and depression because I do get to put my love and the thought and the creativity into baking. Um, so I do that too. I do like customized treats. So, you know, chocolate mm-hmm. dipped strawberries and, nice. you know, chocolate dipped pretzels. And um, I'm like indulging in how to make um, personalized like sugar cookies and things Ooh, like that. Personalized. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, cute. So I'm trying. But you know. for the audience, I'm sure you caught a lot of folk at oxtails <laughs> and they good baby they good <laughs> I bet a lot of people were like, like wait a minute she doing some oxtails I sure do Sorry, I do a little bit a little deuce yeah so um, you can follow me on Instagram at Brittany's Bakes I did put it on hold for a little bit because I did become a new mom about a year ago oh and, congratulations uh, thank you so much you just turned one years old um, so I did put on hold a little bit not only that trying to go back to school and finish my master's degree so I'm just starting okay. to get revamped back up um, I said you know I do have to start investing in myself again and that was something I felt like I was doing to invest in myself and so now I'm like it's time to get rolling again it's time to, for Brittany to be Brittany again exactly and that's what this segment is about balancing yourself with your dreams which I call baby businesses mm. they some businesses they okay? some ba- oh, they it, are. It, it took me a minute to realize wait a minute little baby you're not just a hobby you're a business oh lord you ain't lying you ain't lying Mm-mm. so but what you're saying is so profound because you got to balance the life, beautiful baby, the yes. life that you gave birth to. Yes. The business baby mm-hmm. and Brittany. Yeah. That's three Bs. I just noticed Yeah, that. look at that. <laughs> look, at that. <laughs> look at that. So one of the things I've been encountering is the fact that due to the circumstances of what happened to my mother, mm-hmm. a lot of times I'm in active trauma and I don't even know it. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about, I've been learning about something called radical acceptance. My mama ain't going to change. Right. She going to have her same manipulative ways probably until the day she dies. Now, mm-hmm. I can have hope and I can hold space for the fact that at 80, she might decide to do something else. Mm-hmm. But I have learned that I must accept her for how she is. I must love her for who she is. And I have to work within the confines of that. Mm -hmm. So it's really the epitome of the saying, it is what it is. It's my favorite saying. Is it really? Oh, but if you go into my household, my kids, I've hurt my daughter. She's eight years old, sleeping like it is what it is. And I'm like, oh, I know where I came from. What is her beingness when she says that? What is her What is her countenance? What is her body saying? Well, my daughter's very dramatic. Okay, uh-huh. she is. She's a very much a girly girl. Um, I am not. Um, she That's is good. one who I like. If she, you know, becomes an actress, I would not be surprised. That that is my my baby girl. Right. And so um, when she says, you know, she she always has her little attitude, her little hands moving, um, her, her gestures. little ne- yes, her just her little neck moving rolling when she talks and so she's like yeah you like you say mom i guess it is what it is and um i just look and i'm like i don't i don't even know how i did this one but uh because yeah but she um yeah so she you know is sassy when she says it um but a lot of times i'm serious like learning to to take care of yourself and learning how not to let everything get to you that's one of the things that you have to if we react to everything that comes our way in such an erratic way, we're going to go crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I think one that's one way that I, I, as funny as it sounds, learn to deal or learn how to um, cope with some of the things that are happening in such a fast way. It just is what it is. Some mm-hmm. of the stuff I can't change, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, that was difficult for me, and it still is. It's something that I'm still learning and growing into, mm-hmm. um, but I've learned 
that I need to take, I need to apprehend one thought at a time. Mm. And I need to not judge the thought. I just need to hold it up, look at it. Sometimes it's trying to tell me something. You know, I heard of this really great book by this author, Mishle Elise, called Taming the Beast of Anxiety. And in her book, what she says is that each thought needs to be taken captive. And I believe that's somewhere in the Bible as well. Mm -hmm. You don't judge the thought because the more you judge, you just get into this negative energy. What do you what do you think about that? That's anxiety. That's but but understand this too, right? If you're going to come from a spiritual realm, you have to to also um, attach, you know, who is that anxiety? Is who? Which one is that coming from? Right? We know it's not coming from God because mm-hmm. why would He want us doing that? Mm-hmm. But the cycle of anxiety is us not analyzing those thoughts and letting those thoughts take us over because usually those thoughts are hitting some kind of a self esteem button, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's something that um, might trigger us. You know, um, I know with my anxiety, you know, it's definitely I have some <laughs> lots of triggers, but um, you know, it could be a, a trigger from my childhood, and my mind will just go around and around and around and like almost like it's an obsessive thought, but inside nobody sees that but my mind can literally just be doing that all day on that one thought and I can you know uh go to something else and then I get sucked right back into but Mm -hmm. what if this Mm -hmm. that's just the the cycle of anxiety and you hit it right on the nail that is not us analyzing what am I really having this anxiety about is it something real is it something that I can change um what good is it doing me worrying about this you know a lot of times we have to think of it in terms of well, if that's what I'm worried about, how do we change it? How do we approach that? And a lot of times with anxiety, you don't. It just keeps, there's like no end to it. There is no, let's figure out what the conclusion is. It is just ongoing. Well, that's so interesting that you said cycle because Mm -hmm. this author talks about seven phases of an anxiety cycle. Mm. And what I've learned is many of us have many different cycles spinning at the same time. And we're in different phases of each of those cycles. What do you think about that? Um, I, d- I definitely agree. Um, you could be in the cycle where you might be, you know, or just might have a thought. I'm like, I wonder this. Or you could be where it now is cycling out of control. And that's all you can think about for the rest of the day. I think we have cycles where um, we might be having the anxiety, but then still somehow trying to function um, so that the kids don't see, right? For me, at least. Right. I almost call it going on autopilot. Mm. That's my favorite thing to say. I'm going on autopilot where I know um, that I am stressed out, I am having anxiety attacks, and, and I'm still having to get up in the morning, still having to get the kids ready for school, making sure I drop the kids off at school, um, you know, coming back to work and still having to be there for my clients and then still having to be a mom um, without letting that anxiety um, cripple me, mm-hmm. you know. That that autopilot that you're talking about, that's what I call dissociation. Mm. And I talked about that in the last episode. There was a, a period of time where I just... Totally. It was an out-of-body experience. Wow. And stress will do that to you. Uh, you really have to, when you get like that, what I've noticed is I have to be very intentional about everything. Like even today, I left I left my, my wallet at home, mm-hmm. you know, because my mind is all over the place. And then I, I love the vocabulary words, girl. Let me give you another <laughs> vocabulary word. Hello. Because I'm I'm uh, I'm about my business when it comes to my mental health That's and my right. emotional and spiritual health. Amen. I am a holistic and whole being. So the other one is rumination. When those thoughts just keep coming over mm-hmm. and over and over again, you got to interrupt the pattern some kind of way. 
what do you find helps you with interrupting that pattern? Well, first of all, I love that you, um, just a point I love that you said um, being intentional because I think that's exactly what it is. Um, I know that when um, I am having those cycles, right, sometimes it's easier for me to to bust out of them through others. I say, like, I go through my depression, but, like, sometimes I know um, I know when I start to, to feel some type of way. You know, I'm that in tune enough now or that uh, emotionally mature now. Don't get me wrong. I'm still working on some stuff. But to know, like, when when the cycle is starting okay Brittany you know you started to do a b and c okay now we know where this is going so um a lot of times um you know it's crazy it sounds I usually bake a lot mm-hmm. um is does usually, that help your anxiety it does um, Somebody actually else told me that decorating yeah. things mm-hmm. um does I know a lot of people uh, my fiance for once he um he goes you just love making these uh, lavish meals and I, I do like I most bet of the he week loves them too. Not hello in but his own way he'll always be like well, you, you, you don't have to do all this you don't have to do all this but he doesn't understand that that's a way of me coping sometimes mm-hmm. and it's a way of me showing love um you know even if I wasn't in the mindset today to tell everybody in that household that I love them. I still want you to feel a piece of me. Mm-hmm. And so that's usually one way that I do it. Um, I'm still, I'm not going to lie, I'm still trying to find ways um, to to engage in some kind of self-care to put Brittany, because it does get hard when you do have work. You do have those kiddos, and then the only time that you get to yourself might be an hour at nighttime, and then you're like, man, I just want to either go to sleep or watch a show or something. Right, and, and then Beyonce, too. That takes nurturing. It Exactly. It it you know, I've, I've learned that sometimes I just need a nothing day. Yeah. Um. Or, or I need a nothing hour. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I need a nothing 30 minutes. I think it's about just being intentional, like you said. I think that that's something I want to work on is the intentionality of when I'm in those cycles, how do I, and I can I can identify, how do you intentionally say, oh, you know what? Nope, I, I know where this is going. Brittany, this is what we're going to do. We're going to evaluate these thoughts. We're going to say, Brittany, is there something that you could do about this right now? Brittany, no, there's not. So then how do we compartmentalize that and, and still be where you can be um, in the moment other than just autopiloting getting through the day. So I love that word that you used. Uh, well, intentionality another, is everything. I got another vocabulary Let's word. Let's go. Metacognition. Metacognition. You are exercising metacognition, which means you're thinking about what you're thinking. Mm, mm-hmm. And if some All of us time. could just start there, <laughs> we need to understand we're way further than we think we are. We just simply take responsibility for our thoughts. Mm, mm -hmm. And responsibility is not the same as blaming and fault finding. Mm -hmm. It's, oh, I noticed I was thinking that I'm sad. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is there a reason to be sad right now? No. And and my favorite thing is find the fastest way to fun. Hello. (laughs) Fastest way to fun. You know, so if you got to break out the baking supplies, for me, it's the paint. Ooh. I take out the paint and I let the paint and the brushes tell me what to do. Oh, I love what it. What do you guys want to do today? Which colors want to come forth? It's quite interesting. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So we are going to definitely be talking about a little bit more of this in the next segment. And we are also going to be talking about our elders, you know, in the black community. Honoring the elders is a really big thing and actually sometimes gives us anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's a really, um, it really feels almost like a burden sometimes. You don't want to let anyone down. So we're going to be talking about that. Coming up, we're going to continue our conversation with Brittany. Everybody in the world dies. Please 
The Sandwich Generation with Mitch. And I am here with Brittany talking about them damn honorary elders. I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that. Some kind of ancestral lightning strike is going to happen. But no, I ain't claiming that. (laughs) Is it fucking real or is it fucking real, Brittany? Man, 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 man. Right. I think a key word is trifling and entitled. <laughs> Those are some that? strong words. Uh, I claim them, though. They are strong. I got one foot on trifling, and I oh. got the other fucking foot on entitled. Oh, boy. I'm standing strong. I said what I fucking said. It is what it is. NeNe Leakes. Hello. I said what <laughs> I said. What do you think about that? Um, I definitely think... Um, Look, we they come from a whole other generation, and we are, and that's the sandwich generation, right? We're in the that's middle it. of understanding both of them. Um, you know, you understand we have to respect our elders, but we also understand this new generation as well. And so, getting them to that is is damn near impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying it's not, but kind of, it is kind of impossible. Getting them to understand that, and then you having to still have that respect as a child slash adult, and then slash, but I still got to take care of you. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's a, it's a crazy kind of a balance that you have to have I must that say they're not sis. ready for. I must say, sis, I'm noticing some bass in your voice in this saying, segment. I'm just saying. I'm telling you, all of this shit drove me to cursing. <laughs> I had a nice, pristine ceramic mouth, and now this shit done gave me some fucking potty mouth. Well, you know I, what? I don't Sometimes even know. you have to. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes, though, the regular words just don't emphasize enough no. of of what we're trying to talk about. So sometimes a shit no. is yeah. sometimes a fuck yeah. is necessary. The regular words the regular work. words ain't enough. They don't put enough on it for you. So I need you to understand my emotions right. behind my words sometimes right. and me saying darn right. dang it. Right. Sometimes ain't gonna get you yeah, what the you Christian need to cursing, understand. The Christian cursing ain't gonna work. Mm-hmm. I, need, I need some fire under your ass and mine Hello. for you to understand what the fuck I'm talking about. Thank you. Um, so part of this is I don't really know if I, I think I always saw my mother with her flaws, but I think for my kids, sometimes I'm seeing that they had a certain imagery of what a mother was, and that wasn't human. It's like, it's not real. It's not sustainable. And uh, image, imagery from who, though? Like, where did they get that imagery from? Uh, probably society and their own minds of okay. what they wanted, probably. Okay. Probably from what they wanted okay. me to do or be. Um, so it's interesting because I consider myself non-judgmental with my kids, but sometimes I feel they're very judgmental towards me. Mm. That's kids. Mm-hmm. They're judgmental to everybody. Right. That's what that is in their nature. Right. Okay, to be judgmental. I think the thing about kids to understand, right, if we put ourselves back into the shoes, um, when I look back at me and my mom being my age, I thought my mom had it all together. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mm-hmm. thought that, like, you're an adult. You know, like, at now being 33, I'm like, Damn, unless she was wonderful, because a bitch be like, am I doing this right? What am I doing with my life? Do you know how many times I wake up and be like, what is a bitch doing with her life? You know what I mean? Say and that so again. Like, Say, what am I doing with my life? I want to make that a clip. 
like, what am I doing with my life? Like, that is that's perfect. Is, you know what Ooh, I mean? I wake perfect. up so many times thinking that I'm like, man, if she felt like how I felt at 33, she didn't have shit together. Right. Because I feel like I have nothing together. When I half the time when they call me mom, I'd be like, damn, these is my kids, huh? Right. Oh, shit, I gotta gotta leash you into something. That's an interesting um, point because at first, and it is realizing that our parents aren't what we thought. They were not. But for me, it's also realizing I'm not what I thought either. Mm. Because a lot of my journey was, I'm not going to parent like my mom. I'm not going to be like her. I'm not going to be like her. I'm not going to do what she did. I'm going to do this fucking better. I really had that egotistical side. And then shit got real. And then when my son grew up, he told me so many of the things that I did. And I realized that I was so focused on not being like her that I wasn't focusing on who am I as a mom. Mm Mm-hmm. What or is even who our kids are, um, they're different than we were. And but I think we have to give ourselves grace as well, too, to understand, you know, and I'm starting to understand, too, we're still growing in this process. So, you know, as an adult, I can understand and respect her so much more for um, keeping it together. But like I said in the you know previous day, but, you know, I didn't really see my mom too often. You know, she was usually at, and she wasn't doing nothing bad. She was at the college, you know, at the libraries doing her thing to get her Ph.D. And that was her that was her escape. Um, and so when I did have kids, I said the same thing. I'm going to make sure I'm very present. I'm going to be the type of mom who, um, you know, picks up their kids every day from school, who sits down, we do our homework. Um, you know, we and have so much structure. Well too. We have so much you structure cook. in the Actually household. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do cook dinner every day. And, like, one of them things out of four that I said was going to happen actually fucking happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, I do make sure I do pick my kids up. Um, but, you know, the structure and stuff like that, everything that you felt like I, I did not have when I was younger, I think it's human to say, hey, I'm going to change that when I get older. So you get older and have some damn kids, and you're like, oh, this shit is a lot harder than, yeah, than, than it looks. Mm, yeah. So, but now, my thing that I'm coming to terms with is now having to be caregiver and caretaker of my mom, mm-hmm. a lot of my fucking childhood trauma is coming up. Yeah. And I was in a situation I talked about in the last episode where she kept me very isolated. And if I'm not careful, the same thing is going to repeat itself. Like in your line of work, do you ever come across any elderly people that nobody comes to visit them? Nobody comes to check on them and wonder why? Do you ever wonder why? Or um, do, do you even encounter that? No, I use so... Most of the time I do encounter maybe the, that's happening from the caregiver. So the caregiver might be a family member, friend, and usually they're the, you know, isolated along with um, who they're providing care for, right? Because my line of work, I'm here to provide um, resources for the caregiver and, it to, you know, to ah, help the, mm-hmm. the care, you know, the, the care receivers, what we call them. Oh, and care so, receiver. I right. Like that. So when we are, you know, they're asking for, you know, services for somebody to come in and help them. Um, really, we're doing that for the caregiver because there are no resources for you guys. Um, really, you know, there's resources for let's get, um, you know, the county involved with with who you're caring for. But that still doesn't alleviate what you have to go through. That is, still does not address your mental health concerns because it's a lot of people who are in your shoes. I've had clients who said, my mom used to, you know, physically beat me, this yes. and that, call me bitches, hoes, all yes. this. And yes. then, you know, for my grandmother to raise me that whole time, just for her to get older, and then I have to take care of her. Right. So then when she, you know, is um, in a state of having dementia or Alzheimer's, and now she's back to when I was a child, now I'm getting the bitches and, you know, the this and this and that. How do I handle that my own self? Because now I'm getting brought back to when I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. It's you like know? a revisitation. It's, a it's revisitation. like a PTSD. It is, is what a it PTSD. feels like to me. It is, especially if it was something that's never been solved. And not only that, you guys are even that more unique because when you do have those um, 
elements like dementia and Alzheimer's, it's not like you can correct that behavior right. because it's not necessarily them, right? It's the um, it's the sickness that's doing that. So, um, you know, in the brain, there's nothing that you can do about it other than to kind of learn how to cope. But then how do you tell somebody to cope with with a trauma that they've had that's getting reignited? Reignited. You know, reignited. Yes. yes. Then the only thing that I can say in that case is, thank God we are more self-aware now, right? Mm-hmm. Well, thank God mm-hmm. we are more self-aware. We have so many more resources. Um, so a, a big part of that is now it's time for you to indulge in some self-care. I know that in caregiving, we tend to get, um, or you guys tend to get... Um, Isolated yourself it's like yes. because you have no choice, right? Yes. If you're the only person who's willing to take care of, of someone who family members won't come take care of, who uh, friends won't come and take care of, you are almost in a place of I have no other choice, mm-hmm. right? And so then we start looking at, well, what are those little things that we can do in the between to make us feel like ourselves again? And so that will be my biggest advice to you um, now that you are aware of, okay, I am having these traumas. Now it's time to take care of Mitch. Mm-hmm. It's time. Now, so does that mean engaging in some kind of a mental health service? Services for you on a regular, just so that you can scream and holler and be like, "This is driving me crazy." Uh, you know, and maybe it? just re- envisioning your daughter. It is what, what it is. There you go. And the adult version, it is what it motherfucking is. Absolutely. Okay. But like applying that, personifying it, like you know, with my mother, she is who she is. She is how she is. Do you have anybody like that in your life? He is. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, My father, um, love him to death, but um, he's one person that you can try to correct and try to say, hey, this is how, you know, I feel like maybe you weren't here for me as a kid, um, that you were present, but you were more concerned about, you know, your marriage and making sure she was um, okay. Then, you know, it it was times where, um, you know, my parents are not together right now, but they were together for like 30 something years. And, um, you know, looking back, she goes, well, did you guys feel like, you know, your dad wasn't there for us? I said, Mom, we would know when he came downstairs from work, we will automatically know when you guys were in a fight because he engaged with us. Because other than that, it was, hey, I'm upstairs. Um, I'm with, and he really, he wasn't even being a good husband when he was doing that either. He Ouch. just wanted to make sure where she was where she was. But um, That's manipulation. Just saying. It I is, said it. It is, what, it is what it is. It, but, you know, that's what it was. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But um, so it was times like that where we're like, oh, we must know that they must be fighting because he's actually talking to us. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and then, you know, with him and that, you know, he was one who ran away when problems came. So sometimes one time I didn't see my dad for maybe two Three years mm-hmm. after we after we had gotten to an argument with him and my mom and he had found some things out, you know, I had to find out from a kid down the corner. They go, oh, uh, <gasps> your dad is um, actually coaching um, co- coaching basketball. I thought this man was dead. Uh, you did? Well, understand this. If you had your father there all this time, right, uh-huh. and whether uh-huh. he was mentally there, he was physically, you know, uh-huh. like I saw him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go from being daddy's little girl, you know, wow. when you were little to teenagers like, ah, eh, whatever. And then for somebody to leave you like that, and you th- the only explanation in your mind is at 18 is like, you must not be alive. To mm-hmm. just do- No, he just didn't want to have to put in any kind of work past um, taking me to the park once those age Oh, he didn't generate like no. like in within your age group. He didn't know how no, to transfer to the next. I don't think he wanted to. I think that he. Oh. I think he. But he also has his his trauma too. So right when you look in his background, there is extensive and I mean extensive abuse, um, like getting chained up to walls and things like that. Um, you know, by and I mean by your biological and seeing yeah. all your siblings do this. So right, he has an extensive background of himself. So that's me being older, understanding that you know maybe he could not make those connections. But then when you're trying to tell this 
this adult man not to fight with you, but you, you'd understand. As your daughter, I might feel less of a woman if, like, I can't really be loved how I need to be loved because you weren't how I need you to be there. And you're kind of still not. And right, get, that's the part that's really hard to reconcile because I have a friend and I call it verbal cussing abuse. Like, her mom is always cussing at her all the time. Now, my mama is trifling, but she don't be calling me out yeah, my name, calling yeah. me bees and, 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 and stuff like that. That is really hard to reconcile. It is. It, it is. Um, you know, and I mean, he wasn't like that with me when I was little. He never was that, you know, cuss, like cuss us out or anything like that. Um, you know, but till we got older and I don't know, he got a little bass in his voice, you know, I know right? Uh, <laughs> he put know, a little bass in he it. He put a little bass and I was like, what, what is this? Why are you feeling comfortable enough to talk to me this way? Because I'm trying to explain to you, um, one, maybe, you know, how you could be doing a little bit better or how you could be there for, you know, my siblings who are under me so that they don't have to feel the way that I feel, especially because they're boys, you know, mm-hmm. they need their dad and, um, you know, need them maybe in a different kind of way. And a lot of times he could not take, um, any accountability for the things that he was doing so eventually you know and that's still the same way he is so eventually in order to have him in my life it was either he stays away because this man will not take accountability for shit yep. that he has done yep. for me or my siblings yep. or I just say it is what it is and, and I have to take him it. for what he is and that's what I do. Dasha Cray Dasha Cray, Cray. <laughs> let's go Dunna, 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 Dunna. okay well I cannot believe this went by so fast it was so wonderful having Absolutely. you here. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for educating our audience on how to take care of themselves. Because mm-hmm. I always say caregivers need a break as well. So, Brittany, where can people find you on social media? Um, they can find me um, at uh, B. Uh, I think it's Brittany Bakes um, on Instagram. It? It's B K A K E S. Four two three. That's my Instagram name. If you guys ever want to um, indulge in any kind of soul food Sunday, please email me and I will uh, get that order for you. Woohoo! Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Sandwich Generation. Don't forget if you've got ideas, if you want to help us out with something, if you need some resources, let us know. And we'll see you next time to take care of themselves because I always say caregivers need a break as well. So Brittany, where can people find you on social media? Um, they can find me um, at uh, B, uh, I think it's Brittany Bakes um, on Instagram. It? It's B-K-A-K-E-S 423. That's my Instagram name. If you guys ever want to um, indulge in any kind of soul food Sunday, please email me and I will uh, get that order for you. Woohoo! Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Sandwich Generation. Don't forget if you've got ideas, if you want to help us out with something, if you need some resources, let us know. And we'll see you next time.